Hello and welcome to the Global Health Chat. I'm Maurice, one of the senior editors of the AMSA Journal of Global Health. In today's episode, we'll be interviewing Afreen Akbani. Afreen is a medical student at UNSW who wrote an article in issue one discussing how termination of pregnancies were declared non-essential in many US states at the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic. Welcome to the Global Health Chat. Thank you. We're so happy to have you here with us. To start us off, could you tell us a bit about yourself? I'm a medical student at the University of New South Wales, and I'm currently on a gap year, and I'm spending it doing women's health and addiction research. And oh. um, in introduction, I think it's also worth bringing up that I'm not an expert on this topic. I've never had an abortion, so I haven't firsthand faced the obstacles that arise when trying to get one. And obviously, I'm also not an abortion provider. I'm just a consumer of the news and of popular culture. And I guess one of the perks of being a wallflower is getting to chat with you and be on this <laughs> podcast. How exciting. Oh, well, given that you've written such a comprehensive article on the subject, I'm sure that you know more than the general population person off the street about the subject. And on that note, could you please briefly summarize exactly what your article was about from last issue? So my article mostly talks about how Republican-led jurisdictions in the U.S. have tried to use the pandemic as an excuse to curtail access to abortions and what the implications of that might be, especially considering that abortions are already quite difficult to access. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people think that the landmark case Roe v. Wade assured access to abortion for women in all states, but what most people don't know until they have to look for abortion services themselves is that the states have the authority to regulate abortions as their representatives see fit. Okay. And what exactly was it that inspired you to write an article on this subject a couple months back? Um, I was quite angry. I think that was mm. a big part of it. Being pregnant and having a child can derail a woman's life in many different ways. And I think it's time that women had a choice in whether or not they wanted to have children. Yeah, that's fair enough. And it's always wonderful to hear that an article has come from a place of your genuine passion for the subject. And you know, when it brings out real emotions in someone, that's usually when we get the most comprehensive and informative articles. And it sounds like this subject really got you to stand up and decide to you know, do something about what you were hearing on the news. So I guess on that subject then, I'm sure that there were a lot of arguments both for and against determining abortions as non-essential. What exactly do you think about the arguments that you heard on the news? So while I was researching for this article, I came across a Los Angeles Times editorial with the headline, um, a postponed abortion, yeah, that's called having the baby. And I think that says it all, really. Um, mm. If a woman can't get abortion, there is a severe consequence. She has a child, she didn't desire or intend to have. And mm -hmm. trying to argue that abortions need to be delayed to preserve resources to deal with the pandemic is baseless. Because mm -hmm. when carried out safely and legally, abortions are among the safest medical procedures one can have. It's when women are forced to take matters into their own hands that they usually have unsafe abortions, the complications mm -hmm. from which would result in a strain on hospital resources. Right. And what exactly were the resources that people were arguing abortions would take up exactly? 
Well, the resources that people are concerned about now is PPE, and those aren't really required for um, a surgical abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, more PPE would be used if women choose to continue their pregnancies because they'd be required for pelvic exams and prenatal ultrasound checkups and stuff. Was there a basis for the argument that terminations of pregnancy took up these resources? Not really, especially because in the U.S. there are abortion clinics and there are hospitals. You wouldn't be using operating theaters in the hospitals if you're getting an abortion. Fair enough. And what about arguments about infection control and minimizing unnecessary healthcare contact, unnecessary I say in quotes? Was that an argument that was commonly brought up as well? Um, not, not that I've seen, but I think women aren't going to try to stop getting the abortions. Mm-hmm. So they'll probably be getting unsterilized abortions if they had to take matters into their own hands. Right. Fair enough. So you mentioned that kind of there have been very polarizing opinions about terminations in pregnancy in America. Do you feel like COVID was used not only as an excuse, but as an opportunity for people who are against abortions ideologically to push that agenda? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, it, it is pretty baseless because abortions can't be delayed. If you try to delay them, you're just restricting access because it's harder to get an abortion as you progress into the pregnancy further. That's true. Were there any kind of solutions offered to these women who, whose abortions were being postponed or cancelled as to what they could do down the line once things had settled down? Not really. Not at the time. So what's happened is that Planned Parenthood and the American Civil Liberties Union have fought really hard to overturn rulings that restricted abortions, and they've been mostly successful in doing so. Prior to that, abortion clinics were ordered to shut down, and they had to cancel appointments, and women didn't know where to go, so they weren't Mm -hmm. really told what to do about getting the abortion. But now abortion clinics have reopened and the access kind of depends on what the pandemic restrictions are in whatever state they're in. Okay. So is this for all states that they've reopened or are there still a few that are holding out? Abortion clinics in all states have reopened, but access remains difficult for people in rural and remote areas who have to travel. Fair enough. How has access to termination of pregnancies affected in Australia at the peak of the pandemic? Or even now, if it is? Australia is in a better place because abortions are still considered essential. Mm-hmm. But with pandemic restrictions in place, it's really hard for people to travel, especially from rural and regional areas. And in addition to that, there may be added cost barriers caused by job losses. Right. In both the United States and in Australia, there are efforts being made to try and extend the gestational limits at which women can legally obtain abortions, as well as remove some barriers that might delay abortions, such as the requirement to have an ultrasound beforehand. Right. And is that just because of the recent pandemic, or is that a general thing that they're trying to do? They've been trying to do it since a while, but because the pandemic delays things, there's more of an effort to change these things now. Okay, and how successful have those efforts been so far? Um, so far, they've only, like in the U.S., Planned Parenthood has just been able to overturn those rulings that required abortion clinics to close, but they haven't changed much else. Mm, fair enough. 
Okay. So it's good to hear, I guess, that they're trying to take these things in account in Australia, especially when in the news every day we keep hearing about, you know, medical care that people can't access because of state border closures. And you've kind of hinted on this as well about what the potential consequences are of declaring terminations of pregnancy non-essential. But could you tell us a bit more about what the potential burdens are of limiting access to abortions, particularly during this pandemic? I think calling abortions non-essential is just semantics until you're in a pandemic, because declaring abortions non-essential now means asking abortion clinics to shut down. And like I said, in the U.S. meant abortion providers who tried to keep their clinics open received letters from the authorities to tell them to shut down indefinitely. So they had to cancel appointments. And while they did that, they had to tell women that, like, we don't know where you have to go. And imaginably, this would have caused a lot of mental distress. And that's definitely a huge burden in itself. How about medically? Have we had any news or data about potential consequences of health of women who've, you know, had to attempt termination of pregnancy on their own or anything like that? There hasn't been much data from the pandemic, but the WA has a lot of data about what happens when women try to self-manage abortions. The World Health Organization recommends the use of methoprostone and misoprostol to end pregnancies. And despite these medications being available, not all women have access to them, mm-hmm. but sometimes they just don't have access to the information. In the United States, women have reported using herbs and physical objects to try to inflict trauma right, and pregnancies, and none of these methods are safe. Yeah, I've heard um, stories, I guess, of women who've attempted, um, you know, terminating pregnancies with coat hangers and hemorrhaging, and sometimes, you know, having to be hospitalized. And I guess that in itself is also hospital resources and, you know, obviously health and lives that are put at stake. Okay, and I guess beyond the health-related burdens, do you feel that, you know, the ability for a government to declare a termination of pregnancy is non-essential, do you think that sets back the progress that's been quite hard won, especially in America, with regards to reproductive rights and, you know, making terminations of pregnancy accessible? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think definitely makes things a lot more inconvenient. Yeah, fair. So your article mostly talked about how termination of pregnancy was affected in high-income countries during the pandemic. But how might this issue be playing out differently in lower middle-income countries, particularly where termination of pregnancies are already like, very limited to access legally? Would there even be an impact? So there are several countries where abortion is completely outlawed, most of which are in the Americas and Africa, and then there's the Philippines not so far from us. I can tell you a bit about what happens in Indonesia, which is where I've grown up. Over here, abortions are allowed if the pregnancy was caused by rape or could result in life-threatening complications. Mm -hmm. Two years ago, there was a case that got a lot of media attention and sparked protests across the country. A 15-year-old girl in Jambi province on the island of Sumatra was raped by her brother and sentenced to six months in prison for having an abortion. The reproductive health law here only allows for a brief window of opportunity for women who have been raped to decide that they want to have an abortion. 
and the abortion must be carried out by a registered professional within six weeks of the pregnancy. The problem with that is that many women don't know that they're pregnant until about 10 to 12 weeks into the pregnancy. Yeah. And to add to this, there can be several layers of complexity. For example, many of the rape cases in Indonesia involve girls with intellectual disabilities. Right. So if they get pregnant, they won't know about it for months. And then they're treated like criminals when they try to terminate their pregnancies. So you're thinking rape victim, incest victim, intellectual disability, limited sex ed, living rurally, and to add to that a legal framework that's for the most part unsupportive. So if you want to get a legal abortion within those six weeks, you have to bring to your registered provider a positive pregnancy test result, some sort of evidence of rape or that the pregnancy is life-threatening, and a letter of consent from a husband or family member. Wow. So all these obstacles mean that it's not your choice alone. As a result, there's been a flourishing illegal abortion industry. And there aren't many studies that represent well the experience of getting an abortion in Indonesia, but a study from 2001 estimated that only 38% of women getting abortions had procedures that involve vacuum aspiration or DNC dilatation and curatage. Most women had either an abortive massage or like foreign unsterilized objects inserted into their uteruses or acupuncture. So really having restrictive laws doesn't deter women from seeking abortions. It just makes it harder to protect them. Right, very true. And in the situation that you mentioned, there are so many obstacles that make it difficult for these very vulnerable women to seek a termination down the lines. So, I mean, what happens then if they're past that window? Are they given any sort of support at all to raise the child or their health needs during pregnancy? There aren't supports to raise a child, but if you cross the six-week window, you, you're forced to go to like a back alley abortion clinics. And there are many of those. It's just, there's no safety guaranteed there. That's true. And you mentioned that they, they get looked at as criminals. Have there been cases where women have been caught and been charged for trying to get one of these back alley abortions? Oh, yes, for sure. Um, this 15-year-old girl that I mentioned, and providers as well. Like if you're a medical worker in a back alley abortion clinic, then you can get arrested for it. And I think something like that just happened here in Jakarta last week. About six right. medical workers were arrested for providing abortion services. It's a really big social issue as well, because I can imagine that a bunch of social cultural factors, you know, factor in on unplanned pregnancies and sexual assault probably be more common in yeah. areas where they would get less support. Yeah. Mm, okay. Oh, such a loaded issue. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Efrain, for joining us on this discussion about abortions and sharing with us this trove of information about how it's been impacted in both America and Australia and in other places too. We really appreciate you coming up and joining us here today. Thanks for having me. Concluding note, since the recording of this episode, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a key proponent of women's rights in America, passed away on the 18th of September, 2020. This will have massive implications on reproductive rights in the USA. If you are interested in this topic, we highly encourage you to do further reading on her legal career and the implications of her death on this issue. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. 